A Vanderbilt undergraduate made history over the past few days because she became the first woman to play a snap in a Power Five college football game. Absolutely historic. Someday all the historians are going to remember this very important moment in history. Here is the undergraduate describing what the accomplishment means. I mean, I just want to tell like all the girls out there that you can do anything you set your mind to. Like you really can. And if you have that mentality all the way through, like you can do big things. So, well, Sarah, you paved a new path today and it was amazing to witness. Congratulations. Thank you. You can do anything. You might not succeed and you might not win. And Vanderbilt actually lost the game 41 to nothing. But you can do anything is what our liberal culture tells us. In fact, though, reality gets a say as well. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from yesterday from Cardi O who says, I heard the real reason Joe Biden broke his foot was during a victory celebration for his supporters when he tripped over one of their headstones. It could be. It could be. We, I don't think we're getting the whole story here about this dog situation. Who knows? The media very often lie to us. There's a lot more evidence coming out about this election, actually. There was a, a hearing in Arizona yesterday that no one in the mainstream media want to cover. So we will get to that. There are a lot of, lot of things being hidden this, uh, this time of year around election season and around holiday season. You know, it's the busiest time of year at your door and you're going to want to know who is at your door. That is why you need to get ring. So important right now. You've got delivery men coming over. You got friends and family coming over. You've got your mother-in-law coming over. You're probably going to want to know who's at your door. Ring has everything you need to keep an eye on your home this holiday season and throughout the year. See and speak to whoever is at your door from anywhere with video doorbells. Keep an eye on every corner of your house with easy to install indoor and outdoor cameras. You help protect your whole home with Ring Alarm, a powerful, affordable whole home security system that you can easily install yourself. I got to tell you, I'm very happy that when someone comes to my door, I can see who that person is, particularly when I, you know, go on the road, a sweet little Elisa's home alone. She's a good shot, but good that she can see who is there. For a limited time, go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. You will get special holiday offers. You're going to want to do that right now. Ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. So this guy, I don't mean to disparage the gal who kicked the football or, I mean, even though they lost 41 to nothing, I, I don't want to disparage the gal. I want to disparage the idea that men and women are exactly the same. You'll recall I've given dozens and dozens, more than that, of speeches on college campuses. The only time I was ever attacked was when I made the controversial statement at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, that men are not women. Uh, this, this idea is coming under attack by the uh, gender ideology, the transgender movement. It's coming under attack by feminists who obviously disagree with the transgender movement. They think that men and women are distinct categories, but that m- women are, also can in effect do anything that men can do, exactly the same. There's no difference between the sexes. That just isn't true. We've seen this in sports again and again. Sometimes you, you hear a call for men to be able to play women's sports, which is very sad because then the men win and the, the women are, are disenfranchised. Uh, there are lawsuits now going up to the Supreme Court on this point. And you also hear the idea that women can beat men in men's sports. This can't happen. Just to give you one of the most famous examples of this, uh, there was the battle of the sexes in the 1990s. This was when Venus and Serena Williams 
because they're very good women's tennis players, suggested that they could beat any man ranked, I think it was outside of the top 200 in the world. So a, a gentleman by the name of Karsten Brosh, who was ranked just outside the top 200, decided that he would take them up on this challenge. Karsten Brosh decided to warm up for his, his game with the Williams sisters by uh, playing a round of golf, drinking a couple of beers, and smoking many, many cigarettes. He then showed up for this game and beat Serena Williams six to one. Then, because Venus was there as well, he decided to play head-to-head, or back-to-back rather, go up against uh, Venus. He was a little more tuckered out in that game. He still beat her six to two. Not to say men are better than women. Men are better than women at men's tennis, that's for sure. I guess they're, they're better than women at athletics generally because physically men are stronger. Doesn't mean that men are categorically better than women. It means that men and women are different. They have different strengths. They do things differently. To compare men and women as this ex- perfect match is actually more akin to comparing apples and oranges. But our liberal culture, just about every aspect of our liberal culture, wants to deny those differences to men and women. And that's sad for women, especially. It's also sad for men. And it's sad for all of us because it denies the truth. Now, there are a lot of euphemisms we hear. Women is considered politically incorrect because it has the word man in it. So some women like to, the the feminist types want to spell it W-I-M-M-I-N. You've heard of the idea of uh, woe person, but of course, son is still very sexist and politically incorrect. So you'd really have to rename it whopper daughter. There are other terms that have come up. The new one, this, this might be the strangest of all from Healthline magazine, calls women vulva owners. Ugh. Do, the, the headline here is, do vulva owners like sex is the wrong question. Here is what you should ask instead. This is written by a, a I guess a vulva owner herself, Jennifer Littner, who writes, what's the short answer? It depends on the person. Some like sex and some don't, just like some owners of male genitalia like sex and some don't. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to get into this. Is, this is a family show, so I'm not going get, <laughs> to get into all of this. When I first saw the headline, I thought it said, do, do Volvo owners like sex? Uh, which is, a, that's a euphemism for the upper middle class. And I thought, I think they do. I'm pretty sure they do. Volvo owners tend to have kids. But in any case, the, the phrase they're using is vulva owners. So if you own a women's genitalia, then you, you like sex. Something that's very revealing about this new euphemism though, is not just that it misunderstands women. I mean, truly how objectifying is it? You are, you are in that case, treating women as only material. They're, they don't have a spiritual component. They don't have a soul. They're just their flesh. And then you are objectifying women by saying that you own them. You own this piece of them. But it, it also misunderstands humanity because I guess you, if you wanted to be politically correct, couldn't you say p- persons with vulvas or something? You know, just you, you've heard this kind of language used, especially by the transgender movement. But no, they're saying owner. And uh, it reveals uh, two things that are really wrong. One, that people are just viewing themselves as, as meat puppets, you know, as we're just, we can just be boiled down to our flesh, but also that we own ourselves, that that uh, we, we possess ourselves in a way that we would possess a leftist tears tumbler, or we would possess note cards, or we would possess a microphone. It's, it's a, a point of view, a, a vision of the human person from, the, from 
a consumerist or materialist perspective, and it's really, really wrong. Uh, liberals, and even some, I guess some libertarians tend to have this idea that we own our bodies and we can do whatever we want with our bodies and we can do whatever we want. There's no moral order that we have to answer to and we have no responsibility to use our liberty toward justice. That that idea is kind of gone in the liberal and even libertarian vision of things. The conservative view is very different though. In the conservative view, I don't own my body. I don't have the right to do whatever I want at all times as long as I don't scare the horses in the street or hurt somebody. I have a a responsibility to the moral order. I have have responsibilities to my fellow citizens. I have responsibilities to my family. I have responsibilities to my country. And so I'm not just free to do whatever I want with my body, which is why you rarely see conservatives mutilating themselves or, or disrespecting their bodies. And when they do disrespect their bodies, they feel shame for it. Uh, that's, I mean, this is a very stupid headline and people should make fun of the article, but it, it actually does reveal a big difference in the way that the left and the right view, uh, themselves and view society. It, it's totally objectifying. And you can see an, another aspect of this disagreement spell out in a viral video yesterday. There was a video, it was trending all over the internet yesterday, and it had to do with twerking. Now, you know what twerking is? It's when you in a sort of cartoonish way, caricature the uh, physical aspects of sex. And this is passed off for dancing now. And so it's, it's very grotesque. I mean, I'm not saying I'm, I'm horrified or offended by it. I, I'm, it's just grotesque because it, it's uh, not something one would like to see. It's not particularly beautiful, not graceful, uh, not edifying, and not dignified. And there was a, a business owner who came in and he's a black business owner, and he was calling out the black community generally. And he, and he said, when people come in, and they, maybe they drink too much, and they start twerking, this is degraded behavior, and he's not going to tolerate it. I invested a lot of money into buying this building, into developing this concept, so black people can have somewhere nice to go to, okay? Somewhere where we can feel good about ourselves as a... Come on! Stop the music, please! Somewhere where our people can feel good about ourselves as a culture, okay? Yeah. No, no, real talk. And so all this twerking and shit, take it to prime, take it to pink, don't bring it here because we're a restaurant. And so beyond that, 75% of my customers are ladies. And I'm on men to show respect for themselves for how they carry themselves here. So how can I tell the men to respect themselves and you guys are twerking on glass here? If you want to do it, get the out of my restaurant. Because I did it for our people and I did it for our culture. So don't do it, no, don't do it again. I don't want to hear it. If you don't like it, get out because I don't need your money. I need to pr- provide something for my people. And don't do it again. Thank you. That guy's absolutely right. He, he lost his temper and he said a word he probably shouldn't have. He kind of undercut his point a little bit because he said, be respectful of people, be respectful of women. Then he, you know, gets a little carried away. But the point he's making is totally right. Do not do that. And this is a big divide here. You've got basically the entire left on the side of, yeah, twerk, twerking is empowering, degrade your body, treat yourself as just a physical meat puppet. Do whatever you, pursue your appetites, do what, that's empowering, right? That's, the left tells you that. Even the libertarian right often tells you that. You'll, you'll hear people on the libertarian right say that uh, sort of degraded behaviors or drag queen story hour are actually blessings of liberty to invoke a phrase from our founding fathers, all of whom would have been horrified at twerking and would have almost certainly uh, applauded that business owner for saying what he said. 
you see that, that kind of is one side of the divide. Then you have conservatives on the other saying, no, just don't do that. We need to have standards. And I think this is something that conservatives have gotten wrong, particularly in the realm of political correctness for a long time. But it's something they've gotten wrong at, at trying to fight the left since the cultural revolutions of the 1960s all the way up to the present, which is that the right has taken the bait. The left came in and upended all of the old standards. Conservatives used to have standards. I know we like to pretend that we didn't in the past, but Joe McCarthy was not a liberal, okay? The, the House uh, Un-American Activities Committee was not liberal. The Hayes Code that, that governed Hollywood and, and did, in a way, censor Hollywood, but it gave us some of the greatest movies ever made, uh, that, that was conservative. That wasn't liberal. And what I think the left has convinced conservatives of in the past 50 years is that actually we shouldn't have any standards. That if you're a real conservative, then you want people to do whatever they want. You're for pure freedom and a very degraded understanding of what that freedom is. Yeah, twerking, that's totally conservative. Yeah, vulgarity and obscenity everywhere and, you know, all sorts of disordered relationships and all that. That's totally conservative. It's not. It's not. It's not a blessing of liberty. It's uh, not conducive to human flourishing. Every society has standards. We should have standards too. I totally applaud that restaurant owner for, for doing his part to try to fix the culture a little bit and actually having some confidence to articulate a standard. And I think a lot of conservatives should pay attention to what he's saying. But we still keep making this argument. We even make it when we, when we talk about the very fraught issue of censorship and free speech. And I, I got to tell you, a lot of what conservatives have been saying on this topic, I think has been sort of dishonest. I, I think they've been, you might say they've been blowing smoke for many years. And you know that I've been blowing smoke for many years, but I'm, I'm not talking about uh, nonsense. I'm talking about actual smoke from cigars, which I love very much. I have been a fan of cigars since I was 15 years old. Uh, they are one of the great pleasures of my life. Uh, I, as uh, people always worry that I, if I have too many cigars, I say, I've taken more out of cigars than cigars have taken out of me, as many other great cigar smokers have said. So people ask me all the time, Michael, what are your cigar recommendations? And I always throw out a few answers. Well, now Thompson Cigars has solved this problem. Thompson Cigars has created the official Knowles Cigar Sampler Pack. I had to undergo the very difficult, strenuous task of sampling all of these wonderful cigars. I, I, I did it a number of weeks ago, and I picked out my five favorites. Some of these are old favorites of mine. Some of these are new. This includes the Man of War Armada Toro. That cigar alone I've seen on retail for 40 bucks a stick. It is a magnificent cigar. The Davidoff Nicaragua Box Pressed Robusto, very, very high-end cigar. The Illusione Rothschild San Andres. The La Historia by E.P. Carrillo El Senador. And one of my sentimental old favorites, the Oliva Series O Perfecto. These are all ex extremely highly rated cigars. Uh, Thompson, with over a century in the business, really knows their stuff. They got the best prices on the planet. Right now, they, they've got the sampler on sale for less than $40. $40. You, one of those cigars would be $40 in a retail shop. You, it's an, I've never seen a sale like this. Uh, right now, you can also get extra savings. Thompson's offering listeners 15% off orders over 75 bucks. 20% off orders over 99 bucks. You should go get 10 of these samplers. Seriously, I'm, I'm going to go order these samplers because this price can't be beat. Go to thompsoncigar.com. Use promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. That is T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N, cigar.com. Promo code Knowles. And leave a review on the website. Let, let me know what you think about those cigars and tweet me what you think about them too. We've been making this mistake on the right with regard to 
how we approach the new standards of the left. We used to have ballroom dancing, now we have twerking. The conservative perspective would be that the waltzing is better than the twerking. The more hands up, laissez-faire perspective that conservatives have been deceived into embracing is that, oh, who cares? You do you. You want to, one guy wants to ballroom dance, one guy wants to twerk. It's kind of the same thing. It's, you can just do whatever you want. No, I don't think so. Jonathan Turley, who I like very much, but uh, Jonathan Turley kind of espoused this perspective in a recent column that he wrote. He was uh, describing the uh, censorship of free speech and uh, specifically CNN's embrace of the censorship on social media. So he describes Oliver Darcy, who at CNN wants all Trump's tweets to be labeled as disinformation and basically wants them to be taken off of the internet. He says, what is chilling about Darcy's writings is that they reflect the view of many now in Congress and in the Democratic Party. Indeed, they reflect many in the Biden campaign. Once a party that fought for free speech, it has become the party demanding internet censorship and hate speech laws. Uh, President-elect Joe Biden. President-elect Joe Biden has called for speech controls and recently appointed a transition head for agency media issues that is one of the most pronounced anti-free speech figures in the United States. It is a trend that now seems to find support in the media, and this is a bad thing and we need free speech. It's basically what you're saying. Yes, I want to be very careful with how I describe this because this is a trap laid out for us by the censors and by political correctness. And I don't want to fall for that trap, and I don't want to fall for the other trap either. Free speech is a very good thing. Free speech has a a, a shape. Free speech looks like something. Free speech is not infinite. In the finite world, there are no infinite things in our political institutions. From the very beginning of this country, there have been whole swaths of speech that have not been allowed. Sedition, fraud, fighting words, obscenity, lots of other aspects too. That was the old standard. Now, the left wants to replace that standard with a new standard and maybe permit certain types of speech. Fraud. (laughs) We're having a national debate about that right now with regard to the election. Obscenity. They certainly want to permit. They want to remove those uh, issues. Uh, Fighting words. They actually want to redefine certain types of fighting as speech, right? They want to to define arson and rioting for BLM as protected speech, but then they want to redefine certain types of conservative speech as violence. So they want to redo that that uh, prohibition as well. They want to, it's not that they want to, for the first time, install restrictions on free speech. It's that they want to change the restrictions that we have had from the very beginning. For conservatives to be coherent here, we need to stop espousing a view that has never existed anywhere in any society in human history, that all speech can be permitted all the time. No one really believes that. What we want to defend is the traditional American understanding of free speech, which is extraordinarily broad and is a very good thing and has led to a lot of human flourishing and has led to a lot of open debate and to a lot of good ideas. Even the most famous defenders of free speech in history, I'm thinking of guys like John Locke and John Milton. John Milton wrote Areopagitica. Areopagitica is, is his, maybe the most famous defense in the English language of free speech. And even there, Milton says that we can't give Catholics free speech. It's amazing because talking about how we needed these, the answer to bad speech is more speech and we need all these ideas, but not for the Catholics because he understood. I I actually kind of defend him as a Catholic. He understood that to permit that kind of religious conflict at that time in England would have 
led to even more bloodshed and madness in the, the religious wars that had been roiling up in that country for a long time. John Locke, in the letter on toleration, says that we should not tolerate atheists. We should not give them the sort of freedoms that we have ourselves. So that's a letter on toleration from John Locke, who's probably the best known liberal in all of history. So they're everyone, everyone, no serious thinker or statesman or society ever, not one society, has had this idea of totally open free speech. You know, getting back to what that football player said at the top of the show, that vulva owner at the top of the show said, she said, you can do anything. No, there are limits actually on the world. And, and what we're really debating is what those limits are going to be. Are we going to have a society that is defined by, uh, that, that, dis- that views itself as purely material and that twerks all the time and that uh, runs roughshod and starts burning cities when they don't get their political way? Or are we going to have a more traditional society? Which one? That, that's a much more difficult and nuanced conversation. That's the one that serious conservatives need to have. Because by the way, the old one that we were having of just sort of yelling and tilting at windmills and screaming at the wind and saying, we need free speech, that wasn't working. That hasn't worked ever because it's divorced from reality. And that's why that argument has been easy for the left to knock down. And it's why they've increased their censorship on us. And that just will not paint a pretty picture of our country. But if you do want a painted pretty picture, you got to go to Paint Your Life. If you want a truly meaningful gift, you've got to try PaintYourLife.com. You can get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. I had the heads of the Daily Wire over to my place, my new house in Nashville over the weekend, and I had a Paint Your Life painting of my mother that was just sitting, I haven't hung it up yet, we just moved in. And I said, isn't this amazing? This is from our sponsor, Paint Your Life. And they said, what? I said, yeah, it's from Paint Your Life. They said, I thought that was a photograph. It's not a photograph. It's a hand-done oil painting. It's just unbelievable quality. With Paint Your Life's compilation portraits, by the way, you can bring together family members who maybe never were photographed together. Maybe they never even got a chance to meet because these are artists. So they'll work from what they've got and create this a wonderful work of art. And they'll work with you the whole step of the way. I must have worked with this poor artist back and forth so many times. Do I like this background? Do I want this background? It's just really, really terrific stuff. Head on over right now. There's no risk whatsoever. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. Right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That is 20% off and free shipping. To get the special offer, text the word Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L to 64,000. That is M-I-C-H-A-E-L to 64,000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Our uh, political elites are redefining all of the old standards. They're redefining a lot of the old terms. There's one LA health official, uh, the LA County health officer, Dr. Muntu Davis, who is now redefining the act of not wearing a mask. You know, those filthy cloth masks that epidemiologists that we have cited on this show say don't do very much, particularly one at Columbia University say don't, don't really stop the spread all that much. Those filthy cloth masks, if you don't wear them, according to this LA County health official, you are a domestic terrorist, act of domestic terrorism to not wear that. Now, (laughs) there was, this is unbelievable, an LA County official, LA official uh, just yesterday uh, votes to shut down outdoor dining uh, because LA wants to lock down again. And I'm very glad I got out of that terribly run place. Immediately then, this person goes, says, we're not going to have any more outdoor dining, immediately goes to Santa Monica and has a meal outdoors at a restaurant. 
doesn't matter at all. No, they, they probably don't even feel that there was hypocrisy there because there is one set of rules for all the plebes like you and me. And then there's one set of rules for them, people who are within that ruling edifice, that establishment, that, that blob. Those bureaucrats get to make whatever rules they want and they don't have to follow them. This has been true of all of the most ardent defenders of the mask rules and the lockdowns, Nancy Pelosi, Gavin Newsom, the list goes on and on. Uh, the Cuomo family, Bill de Blasio in New York, they don't follow their rules because they don't believe them. Dr. Fauci, <laughs> Dr. Fauci is another one. You all have to wear masks on every time he thinks the camera's not on him. You look, he's not wearing a mask. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, first of all, even by their own logic, it doesn't matter if one or two people don't wear masks. As long as everyone else does, then we're okay. And they just happen to want to be the people who don't have to wear it. But even beyond that, it's hard to believe that they believe what they're saying. Fauci told us in the beginning, you'd have to be crazy to wear a mask. Stop it. Don't buy masks. Don't wear them. Then he tells you, you have to wear masks. Well, what changed? Did the science change? Dr. Fauci has been a top epidemiologist for 40 years. He's been in his job for 40 years. Only now has he looked into the efficacy of cloth masks? No, I don't think. I think it's capricious. And we're told we have to listen to whatever they say, even when they contradict themselves day after day. And we are going to get more of that if the Democrats take the Senate. We'll get to the presidential race in just one second, but a lot of attention is on these Georgia Senate races because if, if the Republicans lose in Georgia, we lose the Senate. If we lose the Senate, then the, the left is already promising us that we, they'll kill the filibuster, they'll add Puerto Rico as a state, which would kill the Republican Party at the presidential level, that they'll pack the court. I mean, they, they, could, they could kick Republicans out of power for a very, very long time, all of our lifetimes and maybe a generation after that, or, or more even for that matter. There's a battle going on now between two views of government, one in which the government is accountable to the people, and that's the conservative view, and then another view in which the government is not accountable to the people. Actually, the people are messing up the government, and so we've got to take the political decisions away from the people and put it into the hands of the experts. And we've seen how brilliant those experts are over the past seven or eight months. But that is the explicit view of the left. John Ossoff, the flunky House candidate who Hollywood poured a ton of money into and he went nowhere, but now he's challenging the Republicans in Georgia. He might win the Senate seat. John Ossoff came out and he put it in exactly those words. He said, we have to listen to the experts. I think we should follow the expertise of public health experts like those at the CDC, which is based here in Georgia. And if that is the consensus of the public health community, we need to take that advice very seriously. And politicians need to recognize the limits of our own knowledge and wisdom. Epidemiologists who dedicate their careers and their training to studying the spread of infectious disease are qualified to advise us on the correct mitigation procedures. And the problem we've had all year is that politicians have been suppressing and ignoring public health advice. It's time to trust the experts, listen to public health professionals in a public health crisis. So if they said shut things down temporarily, you'd be all for it? If the CDC and its leadership gave a strong indication that those kinds of stronger mitigation measures are necessary to save lives and contain the spread of the virus, it would be malpractice for politicians to ignore that advice. It would be malpractice for politicians to ignore the advice of 
the experts. We have to listen. Now, we've been listening to the experts, and the experts have been wrong about everything, right? They haven't done anything right. They haven't gotten any predictions right, and they haven't handled the virus particularly well. But he's, he's actually espousing a view of government here, which is that our system requires us to listen to the experts. It, it doesn't, though. That's the opposite. There, there are basically two types of government that we've had in the United States. We've had the constitutional order, then we've had the progressive order. And uh, at the early part of the 20th century, the progressives, Woodrow Wilson in particular, came out and said, look, this old constitutional order is outdated. You can't govern people like this. So we've actually got to uh, go in and install these experts and because they, they know much better than all of us. It's so perverse. It's so wrong. It's so anti-constitutional to say that. But that, that's their view. I'll give John Ossoff credit. At least he's not hire, hiding it. This is what you are going to get if the Democrats win in Georgia. It's probably, you're going to get a whole lot more of it if Joe Biden does ascend to the presidency, but you are guaranteed to get that as your government if Biden ascends to the presidency and the Democrats win in Georgia in those runoff races. We will get into in, in just a little bit what those races are looking like, including the presidential race, because the Trump campaign keeps showing more irregularities, more statistical impossibilities, more evidence of fraud. And it just doesn't seem to matter. The courts don't seem to be caring. And time is running out, as President Trump said yesterday. Uh, this is uh, very, very bad news. It makes a lot of us look at the risk around our country, has a lot of us taking stock of uh, what we can do if, you know, if we do lose these races, if there's any sort of insurance policy that we can have to, to still defend our government. And at a personal level, we should also have a very good insurance policy. Select quote, comparison shops, highly rated companies, including Prudential, Banner Life, and Mutual of Omaha, among others, to find you the company with the best rates. For example, Select quote could find a 35-year-old man a half million dollar policy for less than $19 a month. That is less than a dollar a day. A cup of coffee a day costs much more than that. Not just a little bit more than that, much more than that. Select Quote's breakthrough technology allows them to quickly match you with the best insurance company to find your best policy. Plus the quotes are free. This is just, this is one of those things I knew I had become an adult when I started caring about things like life insurance. I got married, sweet little Lisa, you know, I don't want her to have to fend for herself if God forbid something happens. And it's just that peace of mind. And that peace of mind, I promise you, is worth $19 a month. Let SelectQuote save you time and money. Get your free quote at SelectQuote.com today. SelectQuote.com for your free quote. Don't put it off. Do not uh, risk not protecting your family another day. SelectQuote.com. Get full details on the example policy at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors not available in all states. All right. We've uh, got to take a very, very quick break. If you have not ordered them yet, you got to check out the Daily Wire Christmas ornaments. That would be all of us, uh, Daily Wire hosts, plus the God King Jeremy Boring, as Santa's adorable little elves made out of painted metal from one of our favorite viewers, a longtime viewer of the Daily Wire, designed to these ornaments. Uh, they're going very fast. Get yours now. Text Christmas to 83400. That is 83400. Text Christmas to check out our ornaments today. They are very, very well done. I particularly like mine because I'm smoking a little candy cane cigar. Head on over there, dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more.
lots of doom and gloom, but there is a little bit of a silver lining to the storm cloud, which is we opened the show discussing how many people think that men can become women and, and women are vulva owners and not vulva owners and how there's uh, no difference between the sexes. Where do, where do people learn that kind of nonsense? Very often they learn that in public school. Kids in a Brooklyn preschool, public preschool, are being taught that uh, children can choose their own sex. I mean, really sick and crazy stuff. So the silver lining to this lockdown is that public school enrollment is down across the country. And that's a very good thing. A lot of people are presenting this as a very bad thing. Because students are not learning their trigonometry or students are not learning their history or whatever. True, that's bad. We want them to be learning good things. But it's also true that they're not learning gender theory. They're not learning critical race theory. They're not learning the 1619 Project, that anti-historical trash that tries to teach people to hate their own country. They're not learning that too. That's a good thing. It probably comes out in the wash then. Maybe it's actually a net benefit that, that public school enrollment is down. Massachusetts public schools have seen 37,000 fewer students. That's a 4% decline in enrollment. North Carolina, 5% decline in enrollment uh, at the start of the academic year compared to previous years. Uh, now, since then, uh, North Carolina has bounced back a little bit, still down 4% though. Massachusetts specifically, in it, it doesn't go evenly across the ages. So the older students tend to show up for the online class, but for pre-kindergarten, which I didn't even, I wasn't even in. I guess that was a thing when I was a kid, but I, I did not do a preschool or anything. And now everyone seems to do preschool from the time they're two years old because the state and the establishment wants more time to brainwash your kids. Uh, enrollment for pre-K is down 30% over previous years. And enrollment for kindergarten is down 12%. And, and that's probably a very very good thing. Kids hopefully are spending more time with their families and they're not being brainwashed at a young age. I, I would feel better putting a, an older student, 16, 17, 18, into a radical environment than I would putting a six-year-old or a five-year-old or certainly a three-year-old in a radical environment. Why? Because even though 16 and 17 and 18-year-olds don't know very much, they certainly know much less than they think they do. I say this as a former 16-year-old. Uh, at, at least they have some formation. They have some somewhat developed rational faculties. Three-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, they, they don't. And so they are putty in your hands and they will believe whatever nonsense you teach them. That's a very good thing. And I think conservatives, if we want to make lemonade out of lemons here, we should seize on this opportunity to push homeschooling, push school choice, push private schools, in particular push good parochial schools and and really try to crack the public schools. Right now, one of the reasons public schools have been slow to open is because the teacher unions want to keep getting paid to do nothing. Teacher unions, one of the big problems in this country. Uh, I mean, I had, I, I'm a product of public school and uh, my best public school teachers hated the union because the union would protect bad teachers and did not reward good teachers on performance. And so the really good teachers I found hated the teacher unions. Well, this is a good opportunity to tear that apart. There's, there is a lot of discontent brewing in the country. President Trump's election was not the cause of that discontent. It was a, an effect of that discontent. And what you'll hear from a lot of liberals, especially the kind of neoliberal, you know, Clinton Democrats, I guess Joe Biden represents this view in as much as he believes anything. What they're going to tell you is, look, everybody's so rich. And so don't complain about the cultural decay. 
and oh, you lost your job factory worker, and oh, you lost your job person in West Virginia. Uh, okay, well, but on the aggregate, the GDP is up, and that's okay. We'll give you a little more money. We'll give you cheaper electronics that we import from China. Sorry, we took your job, by the way. And uh, so just stop complaining. You've got so much stuff. Don't complain. And you look around, and you say, well, I don't know. My, all, marriage rates are way, way down. They're at historic lows. Uh, people are overdosing at high rates. They're committing suicide at high rates. Uh, happiness, such as it can be measured, is way, way down. Uh, something's wrong, guys. And they'll say, no, never mind. Go back to your apartment, work from home, get on the Zoom call, watch your Netflix, and be happy. The left has not grappled with this fact. The woke left actually has, believe it or not. I want to give some credit to the woke left over, say, the kind of Biden-type left. Because the woke left and, and the conservatives who use terms like, like red-pilled, right? Or, or based even. You're, you're, you'll, if, you, if you chat with the youths every now and again, you'll hear the term based. What does based mean? Well, woke and red pill are describing basically the same phenomenon, which is waking up out of a dream. Red pill describing it from the movie, The Matrix, and woke actually just describing waking up. Even the idea of based, what does based refer to? It's always a sort of a fool's errand to, to try to give a, a folk etymology of slang, but I think what based is getting at is the base, the fundament, things that are basic that we in our convoluted ideology have ignored because we've been living in the clouds and this ethereal abstract realm where we concoct a theoretical society that doesn't have much to do with reality. And what based is describing is something like, no, get yourself out of the clouds, get back into reality and see what's actually going on in this world. All of those groups are, are describing this. And it's just the kind of abstract idiots in the middle who don't really see what's going on. Michael Steele, who is a liberal Republican, former head of the Republican National Committee, goes on all the liberal shows all the time. He actually, to his credit, made this point as he's attacking Donald Trump on MSNBC. He said, you know, it's not Trump's fault. A lot of people are angry in this country. It was beneath the surface. It has been there for a long time. This, this, uh, this overwhelming sense of mistrust of our institutions um, and and our executive and uh, political leadership. Uh, it's been there. Uh, we've seen it. It manifests itself during my watch at the RNC. It was in place during the Bush years. It goes back to, to Newt Gingrich's uprising uh, in the House of Representatives back in 1994 and even before that. So what Donald Trump was able to do was to give it legitimacy to give it voice, to give it actual voice in the body of the president, um, in the body of the presidency. And I think we have to understand that um, this is so, so much less the work of the Mad King than the Mad King actually reflecting um, his mad people. And by that, I mean angry, frustrated, um, mm -hmm. suffering victimhood and all of that. I'm glad he clarified there because when you see the headline, Michael Steele says the mad king reflects his mad people, you think of the other sense of that word, the more precise sense, which is when you're mad, it means you're crazy, you're insane. But he clarifies, he says, I'm not saying they're insane. I'm saying they're angry, they're frustrated, they're upset, they have legitimately been victimized. And Michael Steele comes from a much more liberal wing of the Republican Party. He endorsed Joe Biden, for goodness sakes. But he recognizes that that's real, and it's not from Trump. It's not even just from the Obama era. It's not even just from the Bush era. It goes back to Newt Gingrich, and actually it goes back further than that. Why? 
why is everybody so mad? Is it because they're mad? Are they angry because they're insane? Or do they have a legitimate grievance? I, I strongly suspect they have legitimate grievances. You know, H.L. Uh, Mencken said democracy is the theory that the common people know what they want and that they deserve to get it good and hard. <laughs> the idea that our elected officials, if they're elected legitimately, our elected officials actually reflect who we are. You always complain about politicians. Well, the politicians are a reflection of the demos, you know, of the, of the people in a, in a democracy, uh, assuming that the democracy is, is functioning properly. Nicole Wallace on MSNBC during the same interview refuses to give Michael Steele this point. And specifically on the, on the case of election fraud or, or an illegitimate election in 2020, she says it's crazy and Republicans have no legitimate reason to be upset. The reality is there was no fraud. There are no ongoing appeals. Republicans are saying gobbledygook. None of that is real. It's just a man who cannot come to grips with the fact that he lost decisively. I understand the how. What I don't understand is the why, because this isn't just, you know, an anti-elite worldview, stick it to the mainstream media, they're out to get us. This is a lie. It is a lie. And I don't understand why Roy Blunt goes along with the lie. I don't understand why Asa Hutchinson says, ah, we got to let this play out. There's nothing to play out. Judges appointed by Democratic and Republican Presidents have thrown every lawsuit out. Kelly Leffler said that we have to let the inve- investigation finish. There is no investigation. There was no fraud, no widespread fraud, no foreign conspiracy. There was no fraud. The recounts have turned up votes that are, by and large, exactly in line with the vote on Election Day. So what I understand the how, and I understand that longstanding institutional distrust. I don't understand the why. Why are Republicans willing to sell their soul for a big lie. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't, there's a lot that Nicole Wallace does not understand. She says, there's no fraud. There's no fraud. Well, just repeating that silly phrase is not going to make it so. They shut down the counting of the votes on election night. There was no reason for that if everything was above board. They refused, especially in, in Philadelphia, they refused to allow Republican poll watchers in, even after there was a court order. If there was no fraud, there was no reason to do any of that. They invented in Georgia some wild story about a pipe bursting, and that's why they had to send all the poll counters home. Not true. That turns out to have been a complete lie. They said they were going to stop counting at 1030. They sent the poll watchers home. They kept counting until past one in the morning. If there was no fraud, there's no, there's no reason to, to worry about that. There were, there were whole thumb, thumb drives, you know, little drives of votes that went missing, batches and batches, thousands and thousands that showed up that, that had first gone missing. If there was no fraud, it's very difficult to explain all of those votes going missing. There were whole batches of votes that came in it's with statistical improbabilities, impossibilities for Joe Biden, 99.4% for Biden in some drops. If there was no fraud, very difficult to explain that. Now, is that enough fraud to swing the election? I don't know. The Trump team has not apparently made that case yet in a way that has convinced any judges. But don't sit there and tell me that there's no evidence of fraud. That's completely ridiculous. The question is, is it enough to swing the election? And even if it were, would would the judges actually swing that election? I love it when the left, which by and large does not believe in the existence of the soul, they don't, by, by and large, they don't believe in the existence of the spiritual component of man. They think we're all just vulva owners and owners of other appendages, right? That we're not, we're not even spiritual creatures. They say, you're selling your soul. You've gone over to the devil. People who don't believe in the devil, people who don't believe in the soul, 
tell us that. They don't understand what they're saying. And they certainly don't understand what they don't understand. There was a hearing yesterday in Arizona on this question of fraud. Matt Brainard, who's former data chief and strategist for the Trump campaign, presented his case for what he viewed to be major anomalies in the vote counting. Take a listen. I would say there's uh, two levels of confidence I have, okay? The first level of confidence is very. And I'm very confident that we get very close to that number when we uh, take the uh, residency issues and then apply it to the other counties for which we weren't able to obtain data. The second level of confidence is where you take a number of projection, we go back out to low activity analysis um, and NCO analysis, which I'm not gonna get in the weeds, but these are basically people telling us that they had votes, um, that they didn't cast votes, they were cast their name. If you're comfortable projecting these numbers um, to the population that we were trying to reach via phone that we just couldn't, I think then you reach another level of certainty that you're able to bridge that gap. Um, so I, I think that the, I'm, I have a high degree of confidence that the number of ballots that were cast that should not have been cast, illegal ballots, surpasses the margin of victory as it stands right now. And there's the line. He's, he's confident, his former data chief is confident that the number of illegal ballots surpasses the margin of victory for Joe Biden. Does that mean that Joe Biden won? I don't know. We, need, we, we do need to be able to prove that, you know, and uh, unfortunately, judges are not accepting these sorts of arguments right now. Uh, and, and time is running out for President Trump to prove that. Now, people who continue, uh, such as myself, who, who refuse to concede this election and who discourage President Trump from conceding the election yet, and who say the process needs to play out, uh, those, those people who haven't given in to the left yet are being castigated as fanciful, as liars, as irresponsible, as uh, not putting the country first. Give me a break. Give me a break. Nothing about uh, permitting large evidence of corruption to go away in the shadows and not be discussed. Nothing about that is good for the country. Nothing about ignoring our constitutional and legal processes because the media want Joe Biden to be called the president-elect today before the electors vote. Nothing about that is good for the country. And if there are political consequences for having a spine, so be it. That's actually the point Rudy Giuliani made yesterday during the hearing. He said, yeah, there might be some political consequences. This is worth consequences. And I'm going to ask you to fight. And I'm going to ask you to try to implore the other members of your legislature to stand up to this. Do not be bullied. Do not be frightened. Your political career is worth losing if you can save the right to vote in America. In fact, I may get you a... In fact, I can get you a chapter in Profiles in Courage if you do that. Because at times in our history, certain men and women have stepped forward and lost their political career to give us the rights that we have. That's absolutely right. That's not to say that people should have false hope or that people should act imprudently. Or, you know, some people say they're, they're not going to vote in the Georgia Senate races or they're going to vote right in a candidate or something because they're so angry. I don't think you should be angry. I don't think you should be rash. I don't think you should be imprudent. I don't think you should punch your nose despite your face. Some people are suggesting, well, if the Georgia race was stolen and they'll steal it again. Okay, well, that's not an excuse not to try. It's not an excuse not to fight. Likewise, however, 
the seriousness of the Georgia Senate race, races, is not an argument for giving up, giving in, going weak need before we have to. The, the electors are going to vote on the 14th. That's the constitutional process. We'll see how this turns out then. It's two weeks away. A lot can happen in two weeks. Are things looking good for the Trump team? No, they're not. Is it very likely that the electors will, will give it to Biden and that Biden will be sworn in in January? I suppose it is. Okay. Uh, we can look at the world with clear eyes. We can look at with reality and we can still have courage and we can still refuse to bend the knee before we have to at the very least. We can still stand up for the legal and constitutional processes. A lot of people out here want to convince you that reality is not the way that it is and that uh, political fights are different than they are and that men are women and women are men. Don't do that. T take a look at reality. There's nothing scary. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing uh, vile or evil about, about living according to reality and exercising courage, which is not just a virtue. It's the prerequisite for all of the other virtues. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. And production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm -hmm.